<laughs> oh, hello, creeps. You're just in time. My little Cryptmas party is about to begin. I just love this time of year. There's nothing quite like it. Yuletide carols, sleigh bells, Jack Frost roasting on an open fire. Where was I? Oh yes, Cryptmas. How about we kick off the celebration with one of my favorite Gultide ditties? Listen. sounds echo through the halls whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still that is the time when ghosts are present practicing their terror with ghoulish delight there's no turning back now just after sundown when darkness creeps over the land, the dark figures lurk in the shadows, the fangs glisten in the moonlight, and the ghosts of the world become restless. We begin our journey. Join us as we travel into the world of the paranormal, the supernatural, and the bizarre. On Night Watch. And welcome to Nightwatch. I'm your host, as always, Todd Sheets, here with Chris Weisbach. Good evening, everyone. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Man, so glad you can make it. I cannot take a whole lot of time for introductions, because if you don't know who our first guest is tonight, then uh, I don't know where you've been hiding for the last 20 years. When I talk about influences and people who have really been had an impact on my life, our guest tonight is right at the top of that list. I mean, honestly... Um, imagination, talent. It, it's just such an amazing package. And thanks to this man, my m- musical life has been uh, very vivid, very exciting, and full of things that go bump in the night. Everyone, welcome to the show, King Diamond. Hey, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how it feels to be such an icon. I've got to ask you first thing is, what does it feel like to be the king? I don't know how to answer that. You know, we're... we're uh, appreciating every uh, every day we get, I guess, especially after what happened uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, so uh, don't take anything for granted anymore, uh, and just enjoying whatever we get. And we're getting back up full power again. You know, we did those uh, two uh, festivals uh, this summer, 
and they were actually tests for 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 seeing uh, if my health was back to where we can do shows and all this stuff. And uh, there was no problems there. You know, uh, actually the voice is better than ever. I stopped smoking, uh, changed my habits of eating. You know, and. Uh, Doing exercising, and uh, it was easier getting through the shows. Uh, the voice is, is clearer. It's much easier to hit the notes uh, now than it ever was. And uh, and then with, with, uh, with the health uh, issue uh, being uh, under control, you know, and, and in better shape, it was uh, easier uh, to go through the shows. It was like afterwards, are we done? You know, okay, well, I guess that was it then, you know. So uh, let's do the next one. So it's, 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 a, it's a very different experience now, but in, in, in a positive way. Man, I got to tell you, you are an inspiration for me because uh, over the summer, I've never drank, I've never smoked, I've never done any drugs, I've I've never done anything. But over the summer uh, or the spring in April, I had a heart attack and I had to have quadruple bypass Whoa, surgery. You, you did? Uh, yeah, uh, it was terrible. And I got to tell you, it was a big inspiration for me because I had seen you go through something so similar and, and how you have bounced back and you're still continuing on with your dreams and your career. And that, that really helps a lot of people like myself because I tell you what, when you're laying in that bed, you kind of want to give up. It's really great to be able to look toward people like yourself and go, you know what, King didn't give up. I'm not giving up. There you go. Yeah, I had a triple bypass there. And uh, it's, it's tough uh, when you get those news, you know, that, uh, okay, uh, this is what we had to do to you. And uh, then when they start preparing, you rolling you down, you start doing uh, your, uh, your yes, I like you the final paperwork just in case, you know. That's right. And uh, and it's suddenly in a rush. You do the whole thing, uh, and and when you're being rolled down there, and you tell your wife that, well, I really would love to get back to this side again, but there are no guarantees, and and you say that uh, possibly the final goodbye, you know. It, it's not fun. It's it's definitely not fun. It's uh, it, it certainly affects you inside, you know. And uh, you need to muster up that power you have inside of you, you know, together with the power from from uh, in in my scenario, my wife, you know, and uh, and then go through it, you know. And then uh, I have a feeling I brought something back from the other side. I can tell you, which is a strange feeling to have sometimes. Um, but coming back and some of the the experiences I had when I woke up the first time, at least I think so. My wife says she, she, she saw some of the stuff that happened. Uh, I didn't see her. I woke up to seeing things in black and white. That's how I came to. And uh, I knew that they had told me uh, that uh, I might not be breathing too well because I would be on, on a ventilator, you know. And uh, they said it could be very uh, a very nasty experience. And I could try, and if I could communicate with the doctors or nurses to let them know I could breathe on my own. I just wanted that shit out of my throat right away because it was absolutely, I felt like I was being choked to death very slowly. Yeah. And uh, I just saw three doctors in black and white. It was like an old horror movie and uh, they were bending in over me. I could have been on a spaceship or whatever. It could have been anything. But it was just a, a horror scenario from, from, uh, yeah, from somewhere. I, I couldn't even describe what it was. But then that they were standing, looking at me, and I felt uh, to know and realize and remembering afterward that I begged them to kill me, you know. Had I been able to talk to them, I would have said, will you please end it now? Because this is too fucking much. Please. It was that bad. It was really that bad. Then what happened was I felt them and saw them take my... I tried to pull it out of my own throat, you know. 
I started, my hand went up, and I tried to pull it out because I had to stop that feeling. And then they, they, they just came and they called someone, and my wife said, they, yeah, they called extra people in, and they, they forced me down and tied me down to the bed. And then they gave me something, and I drifted back into to the other side or whatever. But that, that was pretty uh, crazy to, to wake up that way and, and actually feel like I was part of Metallica's one video. You know, it felt like that. You're wow. there, you want to communicate, but you have nothing to communicate with. And, and, and then you get in that situation where it's just hopelessness and, and a slow choke was worse. Would, it felt worse than dying. So please kill me, you know. That's how it felt like. And, I, and that's what I thought. My thoughts were exactly that. And that's creepy afterwards when, you get, when, when you're through it and you wake up and uh, you go through the tough stuff and you get up and you try to walk with someone else the first time two days after I was up trying to walk around the intensive care, you know. And then there, the, the horror continued because you hear all these other people experiencing some of what I had experienced. And I could tell I had to warn my wife, here comes the nice <laughs> yeah. little thing here. But I mean, like, you walk around intensive care and I hear these other people, oh, no, no, oh, I want to die, kill me, I know, I can't handle it, uh, you know, all this stuff. And I'm walking there trying to walk to get strength. And I just like, oh, my God, I feel with these people, you know that are going through that stuff now, you know, uh, a day later, they were one day behind me or so. And then it's like, you know, you get, got to get that willpower up there, and then it's uh, get up, walk, 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 and I did nothing. I was kind of reliving uh, uh, lines from uh, the Spider Spotify album, you know, uh, or, or the graveyard. It is, uh, with, you know, walking the halls at night. That's what I did, you know. I could barely sleep. I woke up in, in, in these nightmares. Area. I could maybe sit up and sleep for an hour in the beginning there. Because, man, you're sitting there, the tubes coming out of you everywhere. It's just a nightmare. And you walk with this thing, you know. Oh, yeah. You drop or whatever you call it. You know, so walking around there and uh, from nurse station to nurse station, oh, Mr. Peterson can't sleep. I got to walk, got to get out of here, you know. So just walk and walk and walk at night. You know, everybody else was just sleeping, you know. And uh, 10 days after, I was home and told by my surgeon that uh, get out and walk today when you get back home. I want you to walk half a mile outside. Like, are you kidding? Are you serious? And that was December, you know, but that doesn't matter, of course. And and then came another se- session, you can say, of, of, of weird feelings. And that was uh, the feelings of, am I really here? You Because know? I felt like walking with my wife on the street, and then you, you, you see uh, people going to work early in the morning, and uh, it's like, man, I could just as well not have been here. That's right. And now I've seen this, and, and uh, I went through a period where I had to ask. It might seem silly for some people, you know, but I had to ask my uh, my wife uh, and get confirmation that I was there. And it would be touching her feeling, you know, can, can you feel this when I do this? Can you see me? Can you hear when I say this to you? And he had, she had to con- confirm those things to me. For real. It was not just a little game, you know. Eventually, it's gone way down, and I don't really feel like that anymore. It's so, so rare. Getting that feel of uh, wondering if I'm actually here, or am I stuck somewhere, you know, I can't get back in either side. Or... So, you know, and, and then I get some of these feelings that I brought something with me from, from that other side. Because I was, I mean, I was in surgery for seven and a half hours, and they say I was dead for, for as as. It is with that uh, surgery, you know, you're, you're not here really for, for several hours. It's true. And uh, I had that feeling that I brought something with me, you know, and uh, when we did these shows, 
over in, in, in Europe, these two festivals, to see if everything was, was okay to pick everything up again and start going uh, at it again, you know, which we are now. You know, we just uh, confirmed yet another uh, headline uh, for, for Rock Hard Festival in Germany uh, next summer. We already have uh, confirmed for, for Finland a uh, Tuska Festival playing, and at the end of August, uh, Bloodstock Festival we're headlining uh, in England. So they're coming. There, there are more that's going to come uh, next week. That I already know of now, uh, but we can't. I can't talk about it because I can't. Uh, I can't reveal uh, which one it is until the the promoters uh, do so themselves first. Right. Uh, right. But but there's going to be more, and there's going to be a lot more festivals uh, during the summer in Europe. And uh, we just started looking into uh, the U.S. for doing normal shows, but all with full production uh, for next autumn. You know. So, so we are starting working on that too now. So we we're up and running. Uh, we are. Uh, Andy has signed the new record deal. It's on its way to me. So uh, we are going to be uh, signing on to a brand new record deal for three more albums. Uh, with Metal Blade for the world, but it's not official yet. But it will be very very soon. Uh, so I mean, everything is is being done. We have a new uh, King Diamond uh, dot com. You know, that's a new fan club. A new uh, internet shop, so so the fans can get uh, high quality uh, non bootleg merchandise, uh, which we have been so bad at not getting to them. And uh, now it's it's there too. You know, everything is being done now in a much better way, much higher quality way with everything. We don't play anymore without the full production either. It's uh, so so things are, are changing for the better uh, in, in in so many ways and. Uh, in some way, this has been uh, an, uh, you can say, a forced break in uh, the career. Uh, but if you had to have a break, like uh, Brian Slagle told me, then this was the best time you could ever have chosen. Uh, just a weird way, uh, not the best way to, to do it. But uh, right now, you know, he said your musical style and everything else is, is really coming full circle in, in the right way. So uh, we, we should have some very cool uh, years to come now. And uh, we are certainly in for it, and we can feed it ourselves, you know, in the band. Same lineup still that we had uh, all the way back since Abigail, too, you know. And uh, so, so everything there is is just as it should be, you know. And um, yeah, we're just looking forward to everything. But uh, yeah, we still have weird things uh, following us. You know, that's for sure. I don't know if you were, uh, have have kept up with. Uh, I did this uh, show that's called called uh, that metal show on VH1 yes. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we showed a picture there uh, of our actress uh, that seems to be, it's almost like it was taken straight out of the TV series French, you know, if you are familiar with that. It's like she's coming back from another parallel universe. Uh, it's a live photo from the Sweden Rock Festival that we did a couple of months ago. It shows uh, just her leg. Wow. The rest of her is not there. There is, uh, it's a, from, from on stage, though. I'm sitting, uh, it's a song called Shapes of Black, and I'm sitting down uh, with a lantern, uh, it's towards the end of, of that song, and they, they uh, lower the, the, the lighting uh, more and more throughout that song, and in the end there's only four uh, candelabras or, that, that are standing on, on stage uh, behind me, and then a lantern in my hand, which is the only front light to show, uh, to be able to be lighting up my face. And... Uh, Jody Kasha, our actress, is uh, behind me at that point in a full black bodysuit, so she's just a black shape. 
but at that point, uh, when this one of these photos, because I have a series of photos, but one of them suddenly shows only her leg. It's cut off right across the thigh. And there's actually a shadow behind, up against the drum riser, of her leg. No shadow of me, though. But only her. But it's not really her leg. That's the weird thing. If you really look closely at it, it looks like a cloven hoof. And it, it freaked me out when I saw it first time. It's like, are you kidding, man? <laughs> and he was like, well, look at our new stage setup. It's like the an, an antenna for the occult, you know. Um, it really looks dark, the new set, you know. And um, I feel like when I saw that first time, it was uh, at a hotel in Copenhagen uh, when I was just going through all the pictures I'd had uh, loaded over onto a computer from uh, an, a Norwegian friend of ours, Håkon, and he took photos up there. So uh, suddenly I saw this picture. I feel like, God, oh, should I call her at her hotel uh, in another place in Copenhagen and warn her, be extra careful for the next uh, days or so. I don't want you to lose your leg. It felt like being part of the Owen movie or something. You know? <laughs> right. That's you, what I was you thinking. you got to tell someone about this stuff because this is just too weird. And we, we, we check this out. We uploaded through something. I can't remember what it was called. But my wife, you know, she, she's the one that does all this computer stuff because I'm pretty illiterate when it comes to that. And she was uploading this picture for the fans to see. And uh, by doing it this way, they could also see all the camera settings because it was a digital camera, so you can't have the double exposure. Right. There are lots of things that, that is not just impossible for that picture to even exist as it does. But we wanted to upload it, and uh, then suddenly she came into where I was uh, and said, uh, you are not going to believe this. Uh, the code that I got when I uploaded it says, damn you. Oh, uh, man. Like, oh, okay, wow. they need to relax, wow. you know, because uh, we're doing this for the good of them and everybody else. You know, we are trying to maybe even open a, pe- a few people's mind to these things. So uh, they need to just... Uh, take a step back and relax, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's what it said, D-A-M-M-N and then a U. Wow. Mm. And those those people at the site where we uploaded it, they actually contacted us and said, hey, we just, we, we, we saw what happened here. We've just been following because we saw that photo and we thought it was pretty weird. So, uh, and that code it was given there, I just want you to know, uh, all codes are completely random and uh, they never form words. There are numbers and all kinds of things in there. So, uh, we don't know what happened. Just wanted to tell you, we did not do it. Wow. Okay. Well. <laughs> That's a goosebumps so, sort yeah. of story. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Gives you the creeps. Well, we all, all we, we certainly have uh, these things still. Uh, that, that's for sure. It's attached. King, uh, when I was younger, I was a teenager, and Chris and I have been friends here since uh, since high school. We've known each other, and I've known Johnny too. But Chris and I were like best friends, like brothers growing up. And and I had discovered Merciful Fate uh, through the Melissa album at the yeah. local record store. I bought all the indie metal stuff that came out, and I just happened to see this thing. Man, that's the coolest looking cover I've seen for a long time. And I bought it, and uh, I was instantly hooked by the the melodies by your voice especially and uh it was just a, a complete package of awesome and i took oh, it yeah. and i i let chris hear it and chris has always been into like kind of dark things the occult and things like that but you i tell know. you what you creeped chris it creeped you out so bad you did we were like i don't know if i can listen to that <laughs> you know again. i was big on you know at the time you know ronnie james dio obviously in black sabbath right. and uh and Iron Maiden, and uh, you know right. uh, that whole that whole genre, and um, there was oh, something yeah. about the Merciful Fate album that, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hmm, I was like, I'm not quite sure. It was great though. 
And yeah. uh, I think that's the album that pushed my parents over Turn the off edge. the electric <laughs> lights and uh, light a candle and uh, let that be the only thing and then just turn it off and sit there and suck it in, you know, and something might happen. You know? <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> we did, actually. Yeah. things <laughs> happening, you know. I certainly have had my big share of these extras happening around whatever we do, you know. I mean, not whatever we do, but a lot of the things, you know. Uh, there has been other things coming uh, with it and... Uh, that apartment I lived in Denmark was so haunted, I can't even begin to describe it. And and a lot of the things that in the albums come from there. And, and overall on the albums, uh, that there's so much more than anyone will ever know that is much closer to, to experiences I had than not. I mean, there's so much stuff in there that if I started telling people, okay, no, that, that thing kind of happened that thing kind of happened i had to modify it to fit a storyline or whatever you know but uh but again uh, and sometimes i feel myself also uh after having finished an album and looking through the whole thing uh feeling that uh i gave a little bit of myself a little bit too much on myself on an album but then again who's gonna know if i don't tell that's true yeah. but there is so much stuff on these albums uh that that is uh very close to reality, much more than you would ever imagine. I believe and, that. Uh, yeah. but, and a lot of it is, it, some of it's fun, you know, at least I think it was fun. You know, for instance, doing uh, the song uh, Black of Night on, on uh, the last album, uh, it was one of Andy's songs, uh, and I had to put a certain line in there simply because he got a whack uh, over his the back of his head when he was recording guitars here at my house. And uh, he was sitting... Uh, in the living room on a couch uh, with headphones on, recording guitars. I had a TV on. I was just no sound, just uh, being there in case he needed some input. And uh, suddenly he was just, uh, he, he pulled the headphones on. Oh, fuck, I can't believe this. Ow. I said, oh, my God, what happened? Did you get a spike or some electric spike in the headphones? Because I had that during, uh, during a thunderstorm once in the studio. It almost knocked me unconscious. It was so loud. Um, so I thought maybe he had gotten some, some weird spike, electric spike in the headphones. Uh, he said, no, something hit me on the head, man. So that line had to be in the lyrics, which it is now. You know, there's a point in there where it says, uh, something hit me on the head. <laughs> Just so he'll never forget it, you know. And it's on his song, so he has a little memory there he can bring with him home. And, and weird enough, uh, Hal said that two weeks later when he arrived and did his bass lines, uh, when he was done, we, we sat with a bottle of wine. It was three in the morning or so. And uh, then Hal suddenly said, hey, did did you ever get hit uh, by something here in King's house? Uh, he asked Andy. And Andy said, what do you ask that? That's a weird question. But yeah, two weeks ago when I did guitar, yeah, something whacked me over there. And uh, and he said, well, yeah, it did happen to me too. Not this time around, but last time. Wow. Really? Uh, what was that? Oh, he was in the bathroom. He got whacked over the lower <laughs> back. And he heard it. He heard this, you know. Like, wow. okay, you guys need to behave better, man, or these people will have to come and keep you in check. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is, so. wow. You know, and, and again, I mean, when you, when you go back to the, the, Chris was talking about the feeling of this music. I mean, I remember the first time it finally, I'd, I was waiting and waiting and Don't Break the Oath came out. Still, I think one of the top three musical achievements in the history of music is Don't Break the Oath. And uh, yeah. let me tell you something. That album, even more than Melissa, had that haunting feeling to it, and the songs to this day remain 
on my playlist. I mean, they're so classic. They're so amazing. And I, I've got to tell you that that's one of the things more than anyone I've ever heard. And, and you know, you've inspired so many people like the entire the entire black metal movement is all because of basically of you and some, to an extent, some venom, but mainly you oh, yeah. with the corpse paint and everything. And uh, not one of those guys can touch the atmosphere of that of your albums. A lot of the things are real, you know. I mean, uh, Welcome Princes of Hell is uh, that described that first uh, uh, out of this world experience I had in that apartment. Uh, that was where the glasses, uh, my brother's glass, rose up in thin air, like about two feet over the table, full of beer. So, uh, we had not been drinking that day at all. It was Kim Ross was there and my brother and myself. Uh, and uh, we had just picked up the first demo of Merciful Fate. And we were sitting there waiting uh, for, you know, what, what, what's going to happen uh, now? Do we play it or do we wait for Hank and uh, Michael and Timmy to get there too? Or, so we waited and suddenly my brother's glass started rising up and saying, I, I took it as if uh, these powers said, uh, hey, we're here with you and congratulations and uh, we'll be with you if you want for the future. That's how I took it. And uh, it ended up on Don't Break the Oath eventually as uh, we raise our glasses. Right. That, that yeah. little part yeah. there, you know, and uh, it inspired the tea, floating teacups, you know, but of course I could have done that uh, no matter what. But but that was, the things meant so much more to me when I sang it because I could relate to it in a whole different way. And so it's been with so many things. I mean, nightmare, that nightmare described in there, I had that nightmare, you know, I... I really did see that was my brother in the nightmare that uh, uh, was on a bed opposite my bed in our old bedroom and then these uh, uh, cloak uh, dressed people came in and came over and formed a circle around my bed and and, uh, pointed at me and said you're only living on borrowed time from your fate you know and so when when I woke up with that I had to write that line down that was straight out of a dream you know and uh, there's been so much uh, that is like that throughout all the albums. I mean, uh, I had a wolf called Angel, for real, you know. Only for a year. But for me, it was a, a little uh, poppy kind of, you know. And then up till it was one year old, it, it was uh, up to my hip over the over the back. I mean, I couldn't have it in my, at my house any longer. It was a gift for my ex-wife back when, you know. And uh, I couldn't believe those people did that. But I, I really uh, bonded pretty closely with that uh, wolf. Uh, playing uh, out in the yard and all this stuff, and uh, but it got too big. I mean, the neighbors must have known there was a wolf in there because uh, when an ambulance went by uh, in the distance, the wolf would start howling. Didn't sound anything like a dog, I can tell you. <laughs> it was, wow. um, but it had to be given back to that pack that it came from, you know, and it was taken back in there, no problem. But it was uh, it was wrong to give us a present, you know. But uh, it happened and uh, made the best out of it, you know. But that the wolf was named Angel. Wow. And so that was taken straight into to the story of, of uh, uh, House of God. Right. Wow. And, and i got to tell you, to this day, uh, we look forward to each new album because it's like a new movie almost. Your albums are like the, the musical equivalent of our favorite horror movies and suspense films. And starting with Fatal Portrait, I was worried because I had... Uh, I had heard that Merciful Fate was no more, and I was really, really depressed about it, really downtrodden. I was like, what am I going to do? This is, you know, the, I look so forward to, to each Merciful Fate release, and to, to, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, Fatal Portrait came out, and all my fears were put to rest because that album <laughs> just, uh, I mean, it was above and beyond, I thought, what Merciful Fate had done. You, you, you went in some new directions, and you just opened up musically into to a, a whole new universe, and from there, it just got better and better and better. And and even now, uh, with with the last 
work you've done and with uh you know you released the the double cd pack where one of the cds was you telling these amazing ghost stories and the other one was the music and all of it is just like continuing to grow and evolve and man i gotta thank you for uh, all your dedication because thanks to you we've we've really enjoyed it's a joint venture because uh, without uh, you guys and everyone else that that likes what we do we would not be doing it i mean it's uh it's the thing where we, it's like bouncing off each other, you know. If we don't do that, it stops. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a joint venture, you know, and getting the, the feedback and uh, get the power to go through this stuff. I got a, a letter to that I read today from a Finnish fan. Uh, he probably will not hear this, you know, but uh, an amazing story of how he used us to get through some extremely hard times with cancer and all that stuff. And, uh, He's still here, you know, in this world uh, with his fiance now, you know, and uh, after all his operations and this and this and that, he's uh, still going on. And uh, he just bought his ticket for the finish show. So I hope to get a chance. I will definitely make uh, my uh, biggest uh, uh, effort to try and get to meet him, you know. Oh, that's, that's great. So that, that's what, and I talked to Andy about it too, and we're both going to try and see if we can who got with him. Uh, Maybe the day before the show or something like that. But uh, he, he will, if he, if he doesn't hear it here, he will find out uh, when we contact him. You know. So, but that was an amazing story too. But there's so much stuff, you know, that that goes into uh, the whole King Diamond world, which consists of all of you guys and and us and uh, the whole thing. You know, and and it's a world that is very, uh, even though there's it has so much. Uh, otherworldly stuff in it it has so much from this world too you know and uh in, in, in some ways it's very very down to earth i can tell you uh, because it, it it feeds off everyday life so much uh and then it has that mix of the other side you know right right and i, and I know johnny you've been a, a long time king oh, yeah. fan as well and and he has like your favorite drummer of all time work with a mickey d yeah oh my, yeah, yeah 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 my first experience was them and I remember, it was funny, I had an audition for a band, and they wanted me to learn Welcome Home. Oh, wow. And I was like, it, <laughs> took, right. me, it took me like a month just to figure out what he was doing. <laughs> and, then, and then I wound up, you know, learning it. And I got to tell you, l- listening to that, listening to the albums, I mean, it opened up my mind to a whole different style, a whole different way of thinking about music. And I, I, I just got to tell you, it was a wonderful experience to really listen to that and then be able to say, hey, this is kind of the, the way I need to go. Yeah, a lot of what we do is, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of it because hundred percent is feel. You know, it, it has to feel right. Yeah. Uh, and we will do things that feels right that might feel wrong to uh, those that uh, can read music and uh, no, you don't do that and that's not right. Like, it sounds killer to me. So I mean, I can't read music, for instance. I write seventy five percent of our music, but I can't read music. I don't know what it is or what it's called. What I'm doing. I know what you know. An E string, an A string, uh, somewhere there's a D string too, and a G string. <laughs> I don't know. G strings are for women, right? Yeah. I don't know what you you call these things. Uh, Andy might say, "Well, what is that uh, called? Is it uh, this minor, whatever?" And it's like, uh, "Look here, this is what it looks like." Oh, oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah. And then on the other side, it plays this chord and combines the sounds like you hear. Oh, it's two chords together that forms that kind of thing okay because yeah, I, I couldn't i didn't have enough fingers for that chord he felt like and uh okay yeah so so it's um if it feels right we do it there's that's the song i mentioned earlier shapes of black for instance there's a weird thing at the end of it 
um, the way that it fades out. There is a guitars are playing Canon, you know. Uh-huh. Da, da, I think it is the, the, the behind that keyboard theme, but they play the same two notes, but in Canon. And those two notes uh, to each other are half notes, you know, only a half step down on, on the guitar neck. So uh, when note one is played on one guitar uh, and it switches down to note two, the other guitar starts on note one. That means they are playing at the same time a half note apart. It should sound absolutely disgusting. It should make the hair stand on the back of your skull, you know. But it doesn't. It sounds beautiful. Agreed. And they're played at the exact same spot on the guitar neck. So, and I asked Andy, I said, well, this much I know. Shouldn't this be absolutely the most disharmonic you've ever heard? And he said, yes. Explain to me why it sounds good. I can't, he said. <laughs> I don't know. It shouldn't. It absolutely shouldn't. I don't know. Don't, <laughs> don't ask me. It but it's, it's on. It's on there, it, and it sounds perfect. I would never have tried that because I would have known, oh, you can't do that. Exactly. But since I can, I will try anything. We'll, we never leave stones unturned. You know, uh, someone has an idea, we'll test it. We never say, no, you can't do that because, no, no, we'll, we'll try it. And then we'll make up our mind. And that's the way it should be because, like Johnny was saying, it sounds so darn good. Yeah, that's and that's the, what makes it so special than from something, I mean, it's, there's nothing like it out there. That's right. It's, it's so much passion, so much heart and soul that you put into every note, and, and we, can, we can feel it, King. I mean, even, even back, I had such a kick. I remember the No Presents for Christmas, and I thought that was just uh, on par with Nuns Have No Fun as just a fun uh, departure in a way because cause they were like, let's let our hair down and just have a good time with this song. And yet, at the same time, there's a lot of, of, of irony, too, uh, here and exactly. there. You know, uh, there, there are things that, uh, look at the uh, the graveyard. I mean, uh, tongue-in-cheek, uh, the grave digger, you know, uh, he already had one foot in the grave. He's standing <laughs> at the graves. Yep. I helped him get in the other. That's right. <laughs> saying I killed him in a very weird way, but it's, it's kind of a fun way to say it, I think. You know, uh, so there's so much stuff there. There's the crazy sickness, uh, but it's... It's humorous because it's so crazy and out there. When uh, on the graveyard, uh, I try to bury the little girl so that her dad can come and play the game of trying to find her, find the grave that she's in. Uh And when I'm about to put her down into her grave, she starts crying. And this crazy song comes out, little girls from head to toe, you know, you don't do that. You don't sing a thing like that, sing a, a thing like that to a little girl that is crying her heart out. It's it's so far from reality to do that. But this guy is really removed very far from reality <laughs> because of some other people what they did to or had done to him, you know. So uh, Right. But it, 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 when you hear it and you hear the, the words that are being sung by this lunatic, you know, when he's hoisting this little girl into this grave, it's almost funny because it's so sick, you know. It is. It's like a dark humor. I agree. It's, it's got oh, that extremely, edge. Extremely. Yeah, extremely, yeah. Very much so. And, and, and there are many ways you can explain things, you know, and then there are where you, you don't go, you know, you stop the details sometimes because, uh, I mean, you can create much better horror with your own mind than I can create for you. you that's know? true. Yeah, that's and, true. And you can always, I mean, if I started uh, describing uh, how a spider would have uh, been lying on a pillow when I turned over my uh, in my sleep and I squished it, you know, with my, you know, between my... my uh, cheek and, and the pillow. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's 
pretty gross, most people would think, but uh, you will know what kind of spider you hate the most. So if it was one of those, it would just be much worse than if I said a specific spider that did it. Right. If I said, oh, it was the daddy long neck, oh, yeah, they're scary, yeah. But, you know, it might be the worst one for you. So uh, very often you can create those better than I can, and, and you need to know uh, when to stop trying to go into detail with things, you know, yeah. and let the listener take over because they can create much worse nightmares for themselves than I can. I got to tell you, the spider's lullaby gave me creeps for weeks. I mean, when I found out that the guy had spider's little hatching eggs in his neck, I thought I was going to freak out for real. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. That was just, and the visuals that pop into your head, like you said, my imagination was so much worse. And uh, yeah. You get that, stung by, by a mosquito or something, and you, you sit there. Oh, God, I hope nothing comes out of that little thing. I hope it was a mosquito, right? And. Uh, unless you're living here in Dallas, I now that's been pretty bad with that West Nile uh, virus there. That's, uh, yeah, that's terrible. You have to protect yourself when you take a walk. You know, you walk in long sleeves in, in uh, 35 degrees, you know. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But that's the draw. I mean, that's the draw towards this kind of music. It's, you know, exercising the imagination and going places yeah. where other music wouldn't go. I mean, you know, you know, it kind of started, I don't know who influenced you as a vocalist, but I'm sure... You know, oh, lots. Robert Plant, Ronnie James Dio, Ian Gillen, of course, Rob yes, Halford. Absolutely. You know all those. You guys. got it, yeah. You all those, absolutely all those, and many more. Alice Cooper too. His his way of, of putting himself in a situation and make you believe he's actually there. When he sits there, I put pennies on your eyes. You know, it's like wow. He's really deep into this feeling of sitting with this body and you know saying farewell and putting pennies on the eyes and just uh but he certainly can put himself into these uh, uh situations and, and and make you believe that he's there he's experiencing this as you're listening to it so uh he's also a master of of, of uh, you know you can say like creating uh, moods and atmospheres so uh, he's a big inspiration too, you know, different vocal style, absolutely, you know. I mean, I, well, most people, you can hear, uh, of course, uh, things, uh, was it David Byron was, was the, the guy that uh, was the lead vocalist for Uriah Heat for a while, you know, yeah, and yeah. he's not here anymore. That That's my all-time favorite singer. Simply because of his range, his feel he could put into his voice. An amazing singer, absolutely amazing. Not not with horror, but with arranging vocals, uh, range, Choirs. Uh, Ken Hensley was a great uh, backup vocalist too. You know, when you he put in some of the harmonies were live with him and all this stuff. So, I mean, but he's he's my all-time favorite as a vocalist. But then uh, you mentioned uh, a bunch of these others that are right there too. You know, it's true. And and the the cool thing is, you also are a lot of people's favorite vocalist. To me, the two greatest vocalists. And and Chris always slaps me for this because he <laughs> loves Dio so much. But for me, the two greatest oh, yeah. vocalists of all time. Bruce Dickinson, King Diamond, right there, right. together. Those, oh. And uh, you guys are just fantastic. Now, King, I know we're winding down. Before we go, I want to make sure that we get all your information out there for people to keep up with you, websites and all that. Go ahead and inform all of our friends out there. Uh, where can they find all the great news about King Diamond today? Well, you, you go to kingdiamondcoven.com. That's where the fan club is, and there are links to all kinds of stuff. You can see uh, where we're going to play, uh, what shows are coming up, uh, all kinds of stuff. Videos are there to be seen. Uh, you know, the, the crazy photo I told you about should be somewhere there too. Uh, 
uh, I know it's been up on our Facebook, uh, and and you know all the links to the Facebook and other things. Uh, there's a YouTube channel too uh, with interviews from uh, some of the other guys, and uh, so. But that's the main thing, you know, kingdiamondcoven.com. That's where you can uh, have the big hop, and then you can go to all kinds of places from there. And the shop you can get to as well from there. So. Good, good. That's where the shop is. That's all I was going to say. And also, uh, DVDs. We're ready for some, some DVDs. Are we going to get to see a King Diamond release on DVD soon? Well, uh, the thing is that uh, the whole scene changes, and uh, we were... Working a lot on a lot of stuff, as you know, in the past, uh, we have some rare things. Uh, some of that stuff might be just given out down the road as, as bonus stuff, uh, if we can get it up to a certain quality, you know. Um, it's too much work right now because uh, after these uh, tests went so well, uh, we have so much more to do now that is higher priority than getting a DVD out, you know. And the thing is that um, the show, some of the shows we played over here recently, uh, you can find them up on, on, on YouTube. That's true. You know, you can, you, I know it's bootleg and stuff, you know, but, but now we're getting to uh, a point in, in the music business where even the record labels say, why should we do a DVD, record a video, when as soon as you play it, there is 50 of whatever show you play. Yeah. They're there the next day. Different quality levels, whatever, but people can search through and see and get all the different angles they want. It, it, it's uh, almost a waste to try and do it and, and try and actually recall the real cameras and crews and all this stuff because it costs way too much for what you get in. You don't sell much. And that's what they say. So uh, they, it's almost like, hey, yeah, okay, record it. <laughs> Why don't sense. you have more friends with cameras? Bring them, come on. Record <laughs> it, everybody. It, it's almost like that feel now that, you know, Forget the bootleg stuff with the video stuff because you, you can't stop it. So you might as well use it. And then say, okay, the more that has it, the more that it goes out there, the more chance there is that people will see it, you know. That's and true. then be be getting interested in it uh, that way. Um, so so that's kind of a way to, to look at it now that uh, simply because of how the, the business is, you know, that it's really hard to come out with a DVD and, and get it to sell well. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense, and and uh, it might some of the things might come out with an album as a bonus, but you don't even pay for it. You know? There you <laughs> it go. becomes becomes part of, of of the whole thing. You know that okay, we got to get some bonus stuff out with the with the albums. You know, uh, so so, and then we have several of different ideas. You know, of what to do. Uh, make sure that uh, people go out and buy the disc. You know, they get something unique that you cannot get otherwise, you know, something that is not downloadable and stuff like that, so that you feel that, okay, this is really something that is making that little I paid today for a, for, for a compact disc, you know, worth it, because I really get something for my money now. And you have to do those things. That's the way it is. I agree. I agree. Man King, thank you so much. Thank you for making this, uh, honestly, the greatest Halloween I can remember since I was a little kid. This is fantastic. You are an icon and uh, a personal inspiration for me and an idol of mine. And I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with hey, us today. Thank you, guys. All you, man. Big time. You have a great, wonderful Halloween, my friend. Same to you. Happy Halloween. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Hello, you maniacs of the dark. This is King Diamond, and you're listening to Nightwatch. You better keep hanging here. Yay. Oh, my yes. goodness. That was fantastic. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Oh my guys, I right now uh, I can barely contain my myself. I feel like I might explode right here at the table. You, <laughs> you look like you might explode. Yeah, you it's going to be the scene out of Monty Python, the Waffle yeah. Thin Mint. It's going to happen right here. It's uh, boom. <laughs> oh my goodness! I mean, I am just like whew, all a flutter. I'm sweating profusely. It's insane. Great, nice guy. Oh, yeah. Amazing guy. See, you never He's, knew, you Chris, know. when you were frightened. Mm. I remember your. That face. was really cool, actually. It was yeah. cool, but you still were freaked out. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, it's like that first Venom album I ever got when I threw it out in the backyard and my dog pooped on it. <laughs> There's your sign. Oh. I was like, uh, what was I, like 14, 13, something like that. I got that first Venom album and it was like so scary and so creepy. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of afraid to it have it It had an upside house. down cross on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At war with Satan and I threw it out in the backyard and I was like, I was. I went out to get it later. <laughs> the dog had pooped on it. It was like, forget it. I guess I can't return it, and I can't listen to it. Nice. So uh, it was all over. And yeah. then I went and bought another one because for some reason, he like was, he was lured to it. See, was he after the after the first listen? He thought, <laughs> you know, I listened to it that one time, but now. But I have to buy another one now because I have to listen to it again. Yes. And the, that was the funniest part too, because I told Chris, I said, "Dude, you ain't gonna believe what I did." Well, what what'd you do? I went up to Camelot last night and got another copy of Venom. <laughs> and he just shook his head and he goes, what's wrong with wow. you? you know? <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't, uh, because something about the album kind of made me want to kind of listen to it again. Right. Well, that Merciful Fate Melissa album, you know, when you're hearing that and, mm-hmm. and he goes into that, I mean, here you are, you know, at that time, you got to remember, I was, I was quite young and, uh, you know, this was at a time in in the world when it was okay to scare the hell out of people without, but still he was like, dude, chills are running up and down your spine. You're like sure that there's going to be devils in the closet. Everybody else pretended to be evil. Then King Diamond came out and kicked him right in the nuts. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We'll be right back after this with uh, Chris and whoever he's brought with him. Uh Uh-oh. Sound like someone fell down. We're going to have to uh, check this out during the break, Hugh. Golly, we'll be right back after this. This is Rudy Ray Moore. Man, you're really swinging. But I would like to say that I hope you'll keep listening because truly, it is a great show. But hold on to your hat, brother, because it's something else. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to Night Watch. Speak to you later. You know, people always say to me, Santa, I want this. Santa, I want that. Santa, give me this. Santa, give me that. You would not believe the letters I get. Here's one from a Susie. Dear Santa, I want a cellular phone with call waiting and a color Xerox machine. Can you believe it? And she's only five. Hey, here's something you never hear anybody say. They never say, Santa, what do you want? Santa, what do you want? I'll tell you what I want, elves. I want some clothes that aren't red. I want a car, not a sled. I want some helpers with brains. I want to lay in the sun. I want to have some fun. These elves are driving me insane. Is it asking too much to just want to take a break and just get away from everything for a while? No! Stop agreeing with everything that I say all the time. Yes, Santa! No! Hey, you're all just... 
just a bunch of yes elves. You're all just like a jello molds. You're all just a jello. You want some jello, Santa? No, I don't want no jello. I hate the jello. I've had it. You know, people like me like uh, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know. But come December 26, I'm history. Nobody ever says, Santa, what are you doing New Year's Eve? You want to come to my house on New Year's Eve? It's Danny Vaughn from Taiketo. It is time to turn the volume up. It's time for Night Watch. Check it out. If I
Back to Nightwatch, everybody. Tachi's here with Chris Weisbach. Bach, he's back. Wow. You've been through a lot, Chris. I tell you what. I've been through a lot while you're gone, man. I swear to you, Amanda has been hitting the eggnog so hard, dude. Right in the middle of, of the interview, suddenly, I don't even know what happens. It starts playing music. <laughs> I swear it. It was an accident. She's on the hooch. She was hitting the hooch. Look at her in there. It is the festive season. It is. My God, I think she busted into Santa's eggnog, eggnog stash. I know you've been through a lot. I'll tell you what. Wow. And I've been all over town. <sighs> turns out, turns out Santa, Santa was passed out at Ponax under the video poker machine with no dollar bills stuck in his beard. No. That yeah, is no, too much. No, it's true. Uh, look at him. Oh, oh, no. Santa. What the hell's going on around here? Wake up, Santa. I'm down at the happy sleigh, hooking up with a very bad little girl named Pat. Well, all right. And the next thing I know, I got this this guy tapping on my shoulder. <laughs> that was me. Wondering what's going on with my Christmas spirit. <laughs> well, it sounds like you had some Christmas spirit, Santa. I got eight, dog, Todd. That's what you sweet, need. Sweet, sweet eggnog. <laughs> the liquor of life. Oh, Lord. Pumping through my veins. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. It I was pumping, it. all right. He was pumping. Well, you should know who came and got you. You know Chris from when he was a little kid. I do. I know him. I know him well. We'll see. The young man, since he was six years old, has been bugging me for uranium to blow up his whole damn city block. <laughs> well, the chemistry set thing was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris, I live at the North Pole, not North Korea. <laughs> we do not have that kind of things where my elves are at. I can't have them handling that kind of goods. Yeah, Chris. What oh, just a, a suitcase nuke is all I wanted. <laughs> you were building things in your basement, the, the mad laboratory over there. <laughs> well, you know. It was crazy. Crazy. You were like the youngest kid on the block to have the police called for blowing stuff up, I think. I think you were six. When I turned my light on, all the other lights would dim. 
It was the three cats in 78 that got him maxed off the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drew the line with that. <laughs> he, he was eighty six till eighty four. Wow, that's a long time. That's a whole hell of a lot of coal, Chris. Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> was, was it? It was worth it. Jeez, and you know, earlier I was talking with the show right before ours with a PC Kathy was on, and and we oh, were... don't get me started on her. All right, well, we're going to talk about living her. in little little gnome land. Gnome land, yeah, yeah. well. I can't even find the damn place. <laughs> Rudolph's GPS, I thought, was built in to find anything. And next thing I know, we're in, down the street from Toto or somebody. I don't know where the hell we even are. Timbuktu, maybe. Toto the dog? Toto. You should have taken a left at <laughs> Albuquerque. I a scarecrow and a bunch of elk, and that was it. <laughs> we turned the hell around. They tried stealing the last of my beef jerky, and that was it. Uh-oh. Uh oh! And you know what I had in my bag? What's that? The stinking dirty cheese slippers. Oh, she wanted. I guess cheese there's some team up there where she's from that thinks they're pretty good. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah. And then they met the Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> and it all went down the crapper. Oh <laughs> man, Uh-oh. that's bad. That oh, 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 Kathy, maybe next year. <laughs> Oh, my God. Never heard of edible slippers. That's pretty cool. That's uh. kind of scary, though. I mean, cheese on your feet. Ah. We had to tear into them when we lost count of where we were. <laughs> you did. The jerky just didn't We were on the Appalachians here in Banjo's playing, and we threw cheese to get the hell out of there. Take my cheese. <laughs> and my beef jerky. My goodness. What about uh, what about Amanda oh, in here? She's Amanda. the one who, man, you should have... She should get a coal for what the she did. The damn knob twibbler in there. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know. Knob twibbler. Six straight years I sent you Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Deluxe versions. Ten copies. Yeah. Can you say talk. abominable for us, Amanda? <laughs> that was the second year I thought I put it in there and highlighted it. Say a bummer. Freaky say dinky it. Dutch yeah. isn't used in the Midwest, lady. <laughs> Son of a buck. <laughs> Shut the whole thing down. We're turning it all off. I don't even get letters from these little snotty-nosed punks anymore. Oh, they see Emails email. and texts. I threw my phone over the side of the sleigh. I can't take it. I flushed it right... Down at the happy sleigh, it's in one of the urinals right now. Probably beeping some punk kid wanting an iPad. <laughs> Sick of it. From the urinal. Whatever yeah. happened to toy trains and Legos? I could crap out a couple loads of Lego logs. <laughs> Not anymore. Now I got to send over exports and wine to get electronics from them damn Chinese. I'm 40000 in the hole every year trying to feed these little bastards. <laughs> Jesus. Santa. Santa. My God. You seem like you're grumpy, Santa. And where the where the goody gumdrops is this little stumpy fella you got wearing the kilt? He I, I don't know. He took out of here as soon as you got oh, here. He said he had a mission. Oh my goodness. That guy I can't understand half the crap he says to me. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> neither can the guests. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Jeez, that's wrong. Sorry, maybe, you. maybe Amanda needs to slide one of the Rosetta Stones over to him so he can learn some English. <laughs> well, well, why were you hanging out with some girl named Pat? Where's Mrs. Claus? Well, last I heard, Stumpy was up there roasting nuts with my old lady, and I don't know what's going on. You mean Hugh or Stumpy, the elf? Well, I'm not sure. One might be the other. The other might be the other. 
Man, I don't. I'm kind of confused at this point, Santa. So Mrs. Claus left you. That's why you're in this state. Well, it might have something to do with that. I'm not gonna lie, Todd. Uh-oh. I've been to a lot of happy sleighs around the country. Uh oh. Uh oh. Santa's been a a, a naughty. Hold on. I, I haven't been. Calling. Hello, oh, hello. Someone's that? calling my cell. Uh, don't people know my cell phone? We are not supposed to take yeah. cell phone calls here live. But hello. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were wondering where you went. You ran out of here like a nightmare. Okay. All right. All right. I'll let him know. Okay. Well, hold down the fort, man. Keep your kilt down. It's cold up there. All right. All right. That was Hugh. He said he's holding down the fort. Santa, you don't have to shut it down. It can go forward after all. The lead elf that ran off with Mrs. Claus, Hugh is taking his place. He's helping you out up there. He's at the North Pole right now. I don't know how he got there so fast. He must have had a transporter in that kilt. Well, he is Scottish, like Something. Scotty. Yeah. You know, they can transport. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, he suddenly is <laughs> up there. And he's taking care of business for you. So it's well, hell, good. I'm out of here then. I'm going back to the happy sleigh. Well, you got work to do, Santa. You got all these toys to deliver. Don't you think you better build a few iPods? Uh, well, I got four more days. It's all good. All right, Santa. All right. Oh, oh, gotta go. Hey. Thank you, Santa. There goes Santa. My gosh. Uh, wow. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Santa Claus right there for your pleasure. Uh, I'm not really sure. But uh, we are getting ready to go to break. When we come back, Peter Gilmore is going to be with us, and uh, he's going to talk about Christmas time in hell. So we're going to enjoy that a little bit here on Nightwatch. What a show! And uh, we're going to have to go find us a guest host to come in and cover for Hugh while we're at break. So give us a few seconds. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, maybe we'll have ourselves a little Christmas right here. Come on, everyone, gather around. String up the lights and light up the tree. We're gonna make some revelry. Spirits are high, so I can tell it's Christmas time in hell. Demons are nicer as you pass them by. There's lots of demon toys to buy. The snow is falling and all is well. It's Christmas time in hell. Everybody has a happy glow. Let's dance in blood and pretend it's snow. Even Mao Zedong is under the spell. It's Christmas time in hell. God cast me down from heaven's door to rule in hell forevermore. But now I'm kind of glad that I fell, cause it's Christmas time in hell. Here's a rack to hang the stockings on. We still have to shop for Genghis Khan. Michael Landon's hair looks well. It's Christmas time in hell. String up the lights and light up the tree. We're damned for all eternity. But for just one day, all is well. It's Christmas time in hell. Gather close together and make it quick. We gotta make room for Andy Dick. Wake his mother and ring the bell. It's Christmas time. Christmas time. Christmas time. It's Christmas time in hell. Christmas You're listening to Night Watch, a Jackalope Media production, with your hosts. Todd Sheets, Hugh McClanahan, and Chris Watzbach. And welcome back to Night Watch. I'm your host, as always, Todd Sheets. What a Christmas show here with Chris Weisbach, my wonderful co-host. We survived. We survived. And sitting in for Hugh McClanahan, we've pulled Tim McClaws in. Hi, Tim. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Good I'm to great. Have you here, Tim. Yeah, wonderful, Tim. Now we all sound like we're on NPR. Sweaty <laughs> balls. I just got a nice basket. It was very nice. You can't say that. I, oh. I don't, oh, sorry. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we do have to introduce our next guest. He's been on the show many times before. Uh, he's been uh, just a phenomenal guest, and we've always had a great time. Welcome back, Peter Gilmore. Peter. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me back. It's always a great pleasure. We really love having you. And during break, you were talking to us about Santa Claus and uh, oh, yeah. about the, the drunken Santa Claus. You were telling us about a little bit about the tradition of that. Yeah, if you go back into ancient Roman mythology, there's a character called Selenus who uh, is a fat uh, bald, bearded, drunk guy. And when he gets drunk, he has the power of prophecy. And he's the buddy of Dionysus, who's, of course, the god of wine. So uh, the idea of a drunken Santa Claus is a great old-time religion tradition. Wow. Wow. Good. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, Peter is the main man at the Church of Satan. And so we, we like to have Peter on and say, it's Christmas time in hell. And Peter, how do you celebrate the holidays? Well, you know, we kind of look at this period where we know that the Christians stole this holiday from the pagans. And the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year for we folks here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's the switch over into winter. Uh, but what it also shows is the days start to get longer. So it, it represented to those folks who were in tune with nature the idea that life was going to come back out of all of the cold. So we Satanists are in tune with nature and the world, and we think that that's a good thing to celebrate, just like the ancient pagans did. Johnny come lately stealing something that didn't belong to them at all. Wow. There's been a couple of movies recently that kind of got into, uh, there's one called Saint, and uh, you went and saw that, Tim, at the, sh at the show, didn't you? I didn't. I got drunk and passed out. Oh, well, there you <laughs> go. <sorry. laughs> Once again, this sounds like NPR, ladies and gentlemen. I, uh... That was our movie review. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a wonderful time at the movies. I heard it was a turd, and I way saved my eight bucks. Oh, okay, Sorry. okay. Well, uh, Saint is supposed to be pretty cool, and it's based on the original tradition uh, of punished children, right? You know, the Austrians have uh, pretty much celebrate, in Austrian Germany, uh, Krampus on, uh, what is it, uh, December 5th, and he's kind of a devil figure that runs around and kind of frightens the children. So they have more of a Halloween-y kind of time at this year before it gets into the actual Christmas season. It's weird you say that. I was looking up Christmas on YouTube. Because I was going to see if I could find the Christmas Time in Hell video to play uh, for the show. And I ended up getting on this German video, and it was of a huge, awesome, like a Thanksgiving Day parade, only it was in Germany. And everyone had devil. Everyone was devils. And they were going up, and they would, like, touch children's noses and mark the children with this black soot. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Naughty holy nice. cow! Wow. What a cool thing. They, they were allowed to have that. Now, that would never fly even close to it in the Midwest here. I mean, as a matter of fact, you'd be hearing the shut it down really loud at that point. Yeah, here in Manhattan, they might get away with it in Greenwich Village. Uh. <laughs> well, even like St. Nick, isn't that like St. Nick a, a devilish term anyway? Well, old Nick is. You is know, that what it is? To, okay. Wait, you try to turn him into a saint, you kind of lose all the flavor. Right, right. <laughs> Old scratch. It loses its yeah. punch, <laughs> so to speak. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, fill that bowl again. <laughs> well, that's the thing about this, man. That This this video, I, I urge everyone to look it up on YouTube. It's a German Christmas video, and it is this big, I mean, it's a big deal. I mean, thousands of people. It's like the Thanksgiving Day Parade. They have these huge, like, floats and balloons of devils. Hmm. It is the coolest thing you've ever seen. They have these elaborate costumes. It looks like Tim Curry walking down from, from Legend. And he's oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's an unbelievable thing. And I was just in awe. I was like, Man. Yeah, if they just look up Krampus, K-R-A-M-P-U-S, they'll be able to see a lot of stuff about that. There's been books published with imagery. They made lots of cards and posters. They're really great. We have a whole bunch of them. They're so much fun. 
Man, that is something else. Yeah. And and Rare Exports, Tim, now, that is a great Christmas movie. I don't know. Tim, you want to tell us a little bit about Rare Exports? That was a great one. Well, it was the idea that he was a child murderer and the, and the village threw him in the lake and froze him and the I don't know what what it was why the guy I guess he was just fascinated with him and he the little kid was, excavates yeah. it and then digs him out of the the ice and right, and then he gets loose. Mountain gets loose, <laughs> and the little he's after <laughs> that little kid. Loose. <laughs> what a great movie! I got it on Blu-ray. I like it so much. I, Again, festive. It is a it's classic. Well, it's better than what I normally watch at Christmas, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's my Christmas movie right. every year. <laughs> Santa's waiting. We have a Christmas tradition here. We always watch the movie Bad Santa, but always in the badder Santa cut. <laughs> Because it's extra filthy. <laughs> the batter with two D's in the middle, right? That's right. That's yes, right. exactly. <laughs> walk right for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other thing that we enjoyed, too, is the Blackadder Christmas Carol. Mm. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Rowan Atkins series Blackadder. It's a British comedy. Right. And uh, Atkinson plays, throughout history, these sort of roguish, diabolical characters who are always being frustrated by the stupidity of the people around them so that they can't really achieve everything that would be due to them because of their cleverness. And in the Blackadder Christmas Carol, it starts off with Ebenezer Blackadder, of course, in the Victorian times. And he's all good and kind and sweet. And he's being utterly taken advantage of by everybody. So the spirit of Christmas visits him, played by Robbie Coltrane, is a drunken Scotsman. And uh, he basically shows him his ancestors and inspires him to become a bad, self-centered guy. Because he shows him that in the future, if he does this, his, ancestor, uh, his descendants will become the rulers of the universe. <laughs> that's, a, that's great another festive christmas favorite yeah. right? no absolutely when eats charlie brown <laughs> when you all have, that wimpy stuff yeah. i used to always feel so sorry for the tree man i was so bummed it was almost the most depressing christmas special ever when i was a little kid oh the tree. yeah so what what kind of holidays do you guys celebrate well satanists celebrate their own birthday is the main holiday of the year because of course our religion is all about you it's a self-centered doctrine so uh we make our birthdays as festive as we possibly can. And then, of course, we like to celebrate the birthdays of the people that we care about. Uh, so that's, you know, because, again, in Satanism, we're our own gods. But we're benevolent deities because, of course, we are gods. So we can be nice to the people that we want to be nice to. We can also be naughty to the people that we want to be naughty to as well. And that's all the fun. Hmm. Speaking of naughty, do our uh, orgies still involved in some <laughs> of these uh, birthday parties? or? Not usually. I mean, you know, we tend to be sexual connoisseurs, and orgies are such sloppy things. Mm. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Chris would know because Hang he on. has experience in this. <laughs> Stop it, Todd. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I shouldn't tell about your old secrets. Right. Your past life. Thank you. I understand. Denied. It'll be okay. So, now... <laughs> So, Peter, I know, I know you guys are into Halloween. I mean, that's, that's one of the holidays you guys kind of get involved in. But, you know, we hear so many things and, and we see so many things. We read so many things on the Internet now because the Internet's out there. And anyone that has fingers can type whatever they want. Um, but, so there aren't, like, special times of the year where you guys, like, gather and do this, like, worldwide kind of thing. No, you know, the whole thing, again, because Satanism is up to your personal choice. It's kind of a user-friendly religion. There's no requirements that people do any kind of celebrating or ritualizing or anything like that. It's really up to your own choice. I mean, if a Satanist likes the idea of doing ritual regularly, they could, you know, make a schedule for themselves. They could say, oh, the dark of the moon is a cool time. I'll do something every dark of the moon. Or then they can decide, eh, I'm tired of that. I'm not going to do that anymore. It, it, it's really up to each Satanist. So, uh, 
that's unusual for most religions because they're usually very fascistic and order people and require everybody to get together and bow and scrape and pray. And since we're all about ourselves, uh, we're pretty easygoing that way. I mean, is there something about Halloween that makes it more significant than the other solstices, you know? Well, Halloween is, is the climax of the fall season. Like, this, that's the midpoint between the solstices and equinoxes. We celebrate those two as seasonal climaxes. And uh, really, the, the old traditions of Halloween, that it's a time when you remember the dead, uh, that's, we think that's not a bad idea. Remember the people that were good in your life or, or people that were famous that influence you that are dead. Uh, but also, we think that uh, Halloween is now the time of year where people actually try to be more like Satanists, and we think that's kind of entertaining. Uh, they try to reach inside themselves and see that there's a personal darkness that they can explore. They also want to wear costumes that often reveal inner parts of themselves that uh, they tend to keep hidden. I mean, for, for we Satanists, we tend not to be such kind of hiding people, but uh, we, we encourage other people to sort of release those inner demons and explore them, because if you do, then you know yourself better and you can have a much more balanced life. So Halloween is really the time of year when everybody seems to become an amateur Satanist. We Satanists embrace the fact that we're only going to be here a limited amount of time. And because of that, we have to take advantage of what time we have. So if you think about what people accomplished in whatever time they had, you have to kind of look at yourself and go, well, what the hell have I done? You know, am, am I accomplishing anything that I want to? You might have to get yourself on the stick for the coming year. So that's a serious part of it. You know, besides all of the fun, where you, you, you dress up and, you know, we, we give out candy. Uh, we have a, a big house in the Hudson Valley that uh, looks like an Adams Family house, and it's you know, black and purple and red and copper. And kids come from miles around, and we give them candy. Of course, uh, you know, we give them better candy if they dress in spooky outfits than if they dress in uh, more dull outfits. Um, but uh, we have a good friend, uh, Joe Netherworld, and his big mansion is down the block, and his house is perpetually Halloween. He's got this wonderful lenticular skull up in the top of the house, and there's a, a, a sort of um, pumpkin-head uh, wicker creature on the porch all year long, and he's got it sort of overgrown, so it looks like uh, it's in the bayous. It's just an amazing place. So our, our district uh, is kind of like a Halloween district in the town, so we have such a great time celebrating it. It really is just a lot of fun. I, got, I, like, I like it when it's about, you know, what, about 50? Between 50 and 60, I think. 50, yeah. 50 or 60 degrees, and you can almost feel Foggy. the, oh, yeah, the moon, you know. You can, you can feel the evil in the air. <laughs> well, you know, that whole evocative thing, that's, it's sort of something that a lot of us, uh, especially you know, people who are in Satanism, have in common, is that we, we really relish that kind of night atmosphere. The, the silver on, on the trees from the moonlight and the fog drifting in and the bats going by. It's just, just this wonderful aesthetic that we don't find it frightening at all. We find it stimulating and exciting. And uh, when you, you know, as a kid, if you dressed up and you had a mask on, you were looking through the hole in your mask, and then you could be whatever that character was. So it was such a, a liberating kind of feeling to be out at night and playing your character. Ritual is a tool for us. It's a, it's a way of releasing emotions that might be hindering us in the rest of our life. And ritual is a tool. You're not required to use it. And some Satanists really enjoy it, and others don't find it all that useful and really don't get themselves involved in it. So, uh, and, you know, that's greater magic for us. And lesser magic to us is just the day-to-day -day manipulation of people to get what you want out of them, make the world move in your own way. But that, that's a much more subtle thing. That's knowing how to dress right, knowing what to say, knowing what kind of scent to put on, 
um, it's really how to present yourself amongst the human herd and kind of get them to, you know, be their Pied Piper, make them move according to the way you want them to move. And that's much more difficult, really, uh, it's because that has immediate results. Uh, the ritual magic to release your emotions is something that will make you feel better. It's a great thing. Hmm. That makes sense. Do you have something over there, Tim? What's the uh, typical satanic scent? There you go. Well, that's something that you have to choose yourself. Some people, a doctor lay himself like a musky scent. And it's very funny, when he went on the Joe Pine show, he was wearing musk at a time when that wasn't done very often. And Joe Pine literally freaked out and was like saying, you know, you stink. You know, what, what the hell are you wearing? And he's like, you smell like a goat. And, you know, and Dr. LeVay was like, well, it's, that's intentional here. You know, I'm trying to smell earthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it really is, it's up to you what you, what you want to, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, well, that's the hippie thing, who wants that? Earthy, I like that. Yeah, you, you might think you're one of those Occupy someplace people if you're wearing that. Yeah, uh, everybody occupies something, though. Occupy that. the scent of resistance. <laughs> I do like that earthy, though, that earthy scent. Yeah, yeah. I, we know that about you, Chris. We're, that's why we're on this side of the table. <laughs> no, we're used to put dirt in my bed, you know. <laughs> the soil from Transylvania. <laughs> used to import it. Jeez. Mix it with his chemistry set. <laughs> Peter, last time you were on the show, I got a ton of letters from people, and they were pretty surprised by your demeanor, and you had a lot to say, and uh, they said you were pretty darn charming. As a matter of fact, one letter said, But that guy is way too charming. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I mean, it's like they said he could charm a nun into the arms of the devil. You say what you mean, and you don't hide things, and that's more than I can say for a lot of people out there. Well, thanks, Todd. And you know, I, that's really kind of something I think a lot of people, if they actually know somebody who's a Satanist in their life, will find that's a, a pretty common characteristic, that we're really earthy people, that we don't hide things, that we'll tell you what we think if you really want to know. We won't force our opinions on you, because we kind of think that's something that's a sin, to give unasked for opinions. But uh, if you want to know, we'll let you know. And uh, we're also folks who try to be able to do things with our lives. So uh, we're often involved in things that are could be interesting. And if you share our interests, we could be fun people to spend some time with. I was always into the, uh, I don't know that Todd was so much, but I was always intrigued by the whole idea of, of rock bands, right? You know, mm -hmm. projecting Satanism in some way in their albums. And, and you know, I, you know, I was a big yeah, still am, you know, big Black Sabbath fan and, and uh, you know, all those, you know, ACDC, all, all the bands in the 70s that they, you know, they were pretty much trying to persecute for Satanism. Uh, how much do you think of that was really on purpose, you know, by by the bands? Or... Sold some albums, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, is I, that what it was all about? Just sales, yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I really think it was. For most of the bands, they weren't really Satanists. And if you really talk to them afterwards, you find out that essentially it was imagery that they knew was shocking, and it sold a lot of albums, and it got adults angry, and the kids liked it because they could be really rebellious, and we were taking up the, the ultimate rebels uh, imagery. And, uh, you, know, it, you know, when Marilyn Manson started doing similar things more recently, it was the same idea, and he did it very consciously. Uh, at that time, it may have been less overt in, in, in choice, I think it was just kind of, it's sort of a knee-jerk thing originally. Uh, but, you know, the devil has always inspired people in countercultures. If you look at, at Baudelaire and all the decadent French poets, they were using Satan as a symbol of individualism and freedom. And, and that, that's just in Mark Twain used him. And go back to even Milton. So, so it's really nothing new. The rock bands weren't doing anything that hadn't been done 
for, for hundreds of years. It's the forbidden fruit, man. When you're making rebellious music, you're going to find the most rebellious stuff you can think of. You know, Satanists tend to be subtle unless they're choosing to hit you over the head with something because they know that's going to be the only thing that's going to get your attention. You know, again, you go back in history, musically, and Paganini was the world's greatest violinist at the time, and people thought he made a pact with the devil because he could play better than anybody else. And then Franz Liszt decided, well, that's really cool, but I want to do that with the piano. So he grew his hair long and played the piano and wrote all kinds of satanic music, music that was called, like, The Curse, or the Dante Symphony, or the, you know, all these kind of, you know, diabolical things. And he, of course, had women following him like a rock star. They'd throw their clothes at him. And, <laughs> uh, you know... Happens like to a, Chris a lot. There's yeah. a multi-volume book chronicling all the, the famous women that he had relations with. He was very successful. I need so, to do that for you, Chris, I think. Want a date? I think I need to do that for you. Yeah. Get a book started. <laughs> Get a book started. <laughs> now, we'll burn it. <laughs> <laughs> we are just about out of time. I want to thank you because you always enlighten us. You always bring us, uh, a, like you said, a new angle on everything. And we just love having you on the show. Well, it's a great deal of fun. And it sounds like you all are really ex- enjoying the season in the traditional way, which is having a hell of a good time. <laughs> That's it. We are. We're having a hell of a good time around here. Insane would be a good word. Yes, too. yes. Insanity rules around here. <laughs> always, a, always a pleasure, my friend. Please uh, keep in touch, and let's bring you back on soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Always is. Thank you. Bye-bye. A little Christmas time in hell there, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you got festive again. Festive again. We've been festive. <laughs> festive. Well, Tim, how you been doing, my friend? Good. Good. Got your black good. Christmas shirt on. I love that movie. I love it. What do you Pretty think of that? Much. I think it's a doozy. Well, I do want to say to all of our friends out there, wherever you are in the world and whatever religion you are and whatever uh, you believe in personally, uh, whatever holidays you celebrate, happy holidays to you. And we love having you every week and we cherish the time we get to spend with you and share our lives together. Thanks to all of our affiliates worldwide for carrying the show. We are very thankful to you. It's almost time for a new year, another year of Nightwatch and another year of sharing our time with all you guys. So thank you so much for making it special every year. Thank you, Chris. For being back in my life, my friend. Oh, thank you, Todd. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making your life nuts again. All right? the all the ni- nightmares gone away. <laughs> and now they're back. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Amanda, for making sure to be here and mess up the show each week. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. <laughs> it's your pleasure. I'd like to thank my mother. Accident. And, oh, there you go again. And thank you, Tim, for setting in for our rogue yes. uh, our rogue elf. And what I'm here for. That's there you go. Yeah. It's it's virtual Hugh in the flesh. <laughs> That's awesome. That was good. That was really good. Happy holidays. Good night, everyone. Spit to you later. Very good. And happy nightmares. Raise the tree and bring the ladder. La 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 la. Top it off with gills called bladder. La 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 la. Grinning skulls in festive poses. La 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 la. When we could just dismember Wally, fa la 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 la, have the whole place decorated, fa la 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 la, with the parts we've amputated, fa la 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 la. Oyasumi Nasai. Nightwatch is a Jackalope Media production featuring voice work from September Day, 
and production by Amanda P.